Coming up, the Yankees are colossal failures. They get swept. They totally lie over and just die to the Houston Astros. What else is new? This team was smoke and mirrors. They were never good. This is the same team that we saw in 2020, 2021. If you can't tell, I'm upset about it. Also, there was a lot of football today. My Jets did win. The Giants continue to win. Lots of other stories from the NFL. So recap of the day in the NFL. And of course, we'll talk about the Yankees' angry instant reaction after the Yankees get eliminated by the Astros. And a little World Series preview for you as well. All that and more coming up next. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I often talk on this podcast about breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. So if you're feeling stressed, depressed, or just want to talk, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed, experienced therapist online, and you have access to over 20,000 different therapists that you may not have access to in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire, and 48 hours later, you're set up with a therapist that fits your needs. You can then schedule video or phone calls and have access to unlimited messages back and forth with your experienced therapist. You can also change to a new therapist at any time with no extra charge. I often talk on this podcast about how perspective is anything, and that's something I learned in therapy. I had terrible anxiety, and I learned about how changing your perspective can change the reality. So take charge of your mental health and join the over 2 million people who already use BetterHelp for therapy online today. And if you use my code, you can get an extra 10% off on your first month. So go to betterhelp.com slash Rami for 10% off. That's B-E-T-T-E-R help h-e-l-p dot com slash rami for 10 percent off your first month do it today all right you already know what it is it's episode 105 it's the funeral it's over right um and there's not much to say about this at this time i mean you could go through everything we talked about after games one and two we didn't talk after game three I was confident. I thought Cole would come out and shove. I, he was pretty good. Um, I thought Nasty Nestor would show up today. Uh, even when they were down 3-0, I still thought that they'd at least win a game. Although I'm glad that I didn't have to go to New York tomorrow now um, to watch that. But um, I think overall, I think the biggest riding theme um, from this entire thing, I think the the thing that stands out the most is that nothing changed. I think there was a perception that this team was different. This team wasn't the 2020 team. This wasn't the 2021 team. This team was different. This team was better. This team was this team cared. This team had a great regular season, at least for a stretch, right? This had the historic Aaron Judge season. And then everything that we thought we knew about this team that was different than the past two teams went down the drain the second this postseason started. Now, we got a glimpse of this in August. We should have been warned. We should have known because in August, when we saw how this team played, we should have known then that this is what was going to happen. But I think what makes it even worse is how the Yankees have responded to this. Because they looked at August and they said, well, that's the aberration, obviously, right? We've been playing well this whole time and the aberration is August. But it's just not true anymore. When you look at 2020 and the way that shortened season went, 
when you look at 2021 and the way last year went, everything but May and June of 2022 was the exact same for this New York Yankees team. Whenever they needed clutch hits, they didn't come through. They didn't play fundamentally sound. And the worst part of all of it, the worst part of every single thing that happened was that there was zero accountability when anything happened. I don't care how poorly you play. I don't care how bad of a team you are. But as long as afterwards you own it and you say, I played poorly. But this team consistently was... There's, for five years already, we've seen a lack of accountability and you've always blamed something else. It was always, well, Boston was better than us in 2018, right? Luis Severino didn't know the start time of the game in 2018. In 2019... We ran into a hot team. They were probably cheating. They had buzzers. And I'm not denying that they did. I, 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 like I said, I've always said, I'll go to my grave thinking that those that Astros team in 19 was using buzzers and Altuve knew exactly what was coming on that pitch. But every year was something else. And finally, when do we just get to say, and this year, by the way, that the excuses were just abnormal. I'm sure we'll hear about LeMahieu and Ben Attendee, and I'm not, that's not to say that those guys weren't effective guys and they couldn't have helped the Yankees win. Of course they could have helped the Yankees win. But that's not the reason why this team lost. This team lost because they couldn't hit. This team lost because they had no heart and no soul. This team lost because when they were down 2-0 in the series, instead of showing up for a Game 3 at home, like the 17 team did, that 17 team, they didn't care they were down 2-0. They came back. They were down 2-0 in the Division Series also. They came back and they fought. This team showed up and folded. They didn't even show up to game three or game four. Game four, at least, they showed up a little bit, the beginning. But the second things got tough, the second things got sticky, they bowed out. Why is that? And to me, it's simple. And I've talked about this a lot, and I, and I talked about what a good job he's done this year. But Aaron Boone, as the manager, has not had this team ready, has not had this team mentally tough, and has had this team... Quit, and quit on him already dozens of times. And how many more times are we going to have to see this? Because guys who are respected, like Michael Kay and other people in the Yankee media, and Michael Kay is respected in the Yankee organization, the team themselves, the people who run the organization, respect and trust Michael Kay and his opinion. And if he's on the Yankees network, on Yes, saying what he said about Aaron Boone, you know it's gotten really bad. Because, again, and I like Aaron Boone, but you just gave him a four-year deal, and now the team, they don't listen, they don't rally around him, there's no one who had heart and soul to pull them out of this, and you hear Severino making the excuses, why wouldn't he make an excuse? It's a trickle-down effect from the manager who's always making excuses. It, it's nonstop with this team. I, I don't see anything changing, and it's the arrogance of the team. Why was Josh Donaldson still starting at third base? He clearly proved he cannot do anything offensively. Forget about just starting, you know, forget about starting at third base. He's batting still fifth in the lineup. What are we doing? Because you need to be so much smarter than us and you need to prove us wrong. So you put Kiner Falefa back out there in a huge spot. He makes, well, it wasn't clear if it was Torres, but the TV broadcast make it sound like it was an error on Kiner Falefa, even though the error was an E4. They made it sound like it was Kiner Falefa's mistake. So no matter what, there's always going to be an excuse. There's always going to be something else that happened that led to it. And it was never anyone's fault. 
and you're going to come and you're going to say it was an amazing season. We fought hard. This team fought back. They were down against Cleveland, blah, blah, blah. None of that's true. None of that's true. This team never had heart and soul. Garrett Cole brought them back against Cleveland. This team was better than Cleveland. To be honest, you should have beat Cleveland. And if not for two months, for two months in May and June, we'd be looking at this season even worse than we looked at last season and the season before that. And that's it. They just they didn't show up. And the other guy that this falls on in the playoffs is your best player because your best player has to take accountability and your best player has to be better. And Aaron Judge, I don't care that he had 62 home runs in the season. None of that matters right now. Maybe we'll look back on this in a bunch of years if he remains a Yankee, which I don't trust this organization to do at the moment. But if he remains a Yankee, maybe we'll look back in a few years and say, yeah, that was a really cool season when he hit 62 home runs. But none of that matters if you bat 135 in the playoffs. And his entire approach changed. And we talked about this at the end of the season where he was trying to lift the ball. Those last two weeks, starting with that series in Toronto, he was clearly trying to hit the ball out of the ballpark. He was clearly trying to lift the ball. And that wasn't his approach. He's a line drive hitter who takes pitches, who works counts. And he hasn't done that in about a month now. And it was in the playoffs and the end of the regular season. The worst possible time. And the personal stats, nothing matters. And you could blame, well, my exit velo was good. What does that do for anyone? It's kind of like how baseball has gotten, where we have all these stats. So now we can look at the stats and say these things. But A-Rod said it. A-Rod also. A-Rod's like, look, I sucked in the playoffs most of my career, and I still never made excuses. And he's, he's right. I, I don't know what to tell you. And the baby bomber era is an epic, epic failure. There's no two ways about it. If you look back at that era, which is called the baby bombers, whatever you want to call it, it was an epic, epic fail. His team made decisions not to go for Harper, not to go for Machado. Those two guys played against each other in the National League Championship Series. And by the way, Harper is the perfect, perfect Yankee. Always says the right thing. He would have been the perfect Yankee. The things he says when he's saying that every fan who wears Phillies, I don't care where you are. If you're a fan, you wear Phillies across your chest. You're part of the team. You're part of the organization. We play for each other. We play for you. So whether it's him and they were at the time, it was, well, we need to keep Miguel Andujar. We need to keep Clint Frazier. The countless mistakes that started with Hal Steinbrenner and him not wanting to spend and trickled down to Boone or Cashman, I should say, and him thinking he's so smart. Cashman was exposed in a major way this year when he took on the contract of Josh Donaldson and essentially freed up the space. And Isaiah kind of for left for by, also, by the way, also in that trade. And freed up the space for Minnesota to go out and sign Carlos Correa. Because you could have had Correa for the same price that you took on Donaldson and, and IKF. Probably less money. You know that Bryce Harper is making $2 million more than Josh Donaldson this year? Two. Meanwhile, he's the NLCS MVP. But back to Aaron Judge. He changed his swing. And I'm sorry, there's, you, you're the best player. You're supposed to lead the team, and you didn't. And you can't score, you can't win. I get that. But I don't think anything's going to change. If I'm being honest, I don't think anything's going to change. Because no matter what we sit here, no matter what's so clearly, blatantly obvious, that this team never has heart, soul, this team doesn't fight, this team bows out, this team makes excuses, all those things. And I think, like I said, it's a trickle-down effect from the manager, from the general manager. It trickles down to everyone. It's never anyone's fault. It's always 
we're a victim of circumstance. Despite all that, nothing's going to change because this organization doesn't value that. They don't value winning anymore. And that starts with Hal and it trickles all the way down. They want you to buy season tickets. They want to get butts in seats. And they want to sell just enough playoff games. I'm sure they're more upset that they didn't get to sell tomorrow's game than they are that they got knocked out. It's like, all right, we sold a bunch of playoff tickets. And by the way, I'm sure people bought World Series tickets and now have the deposit go towards next year's season tickets because that's how it works with season tickets and playoff tickets. So congrats, Yankees. Good job. Good job by you. You got your money. I hope you're happy. And that's what, and, and, and it's just enough is enough. And that's why Boone's not going anywhere. Cashman's not going anywhere. Josh Donaldson's not going anywhere. He's going to be the starting third baseman next year. But uh, like I said, for me to trust this organization again, there needs to be a major shift. And that means bring back Judge. Find a way. Maybe you can offload Garrett Cole because of the way he pitched in the playoffs and he pitched really well. And it's time to turn the page. Look at Peraza. Look at Cabrera. Look at the young guys. Because if the whole philosophy of the organization was to build for the young guys, then let's do it. We're not waiting around again. We're not doing this thing where we trade for Frankie Montas, but we're not willing to trade for Luis Castillo because we're not really going for it. We're halfway going for it. We're quasi going for it. We're doing just enough to convince the fans to tell them we're saying we're going for it. Because that's what the Yankees do right now. They say they go for it, but they're not actually going for it. There are two players that the Yankees have right now in my opinion, that were moves that the Yankees made in recent memory that are worth keeping around just because of the players that they are, and that's Harrison Bader and Anthony Rizzo and what they did in the playoffs. They were gamers, they cared, they were fired up about every little thing, and they tried to carry this team as best they could, but they couldn't. Glaber Torres was a nothing. DJ LeMahieu, he was hurt. I don't know what to tell you, but that contract has not worked out at all for the Yankees. Garrett Cole, he's not the same person. He's just not. I mean, I wish I could say he was because he had two and a half good games. But he's just not the same guy anymore. And like I said, it it trickles down. There's there's such a toxic negative vibe around this team. And I know in June it didn't seem that way because they were winning and winning cures all. That's true. So I can't sit here and recreate history. I can't tell you that in June, I didn't think this team had changed. But what was the inconsistency over the last three years? What was constantly true and what was not true? The two months of May and June were the, were the things that were abnormal. Those were the aberration. Everything else was exactly what you expected from this team. And I'm just done with it. I'm fed up. <laughs> I mean... When's enough enough? And like I said, I don't think anything's changing. I don't think anything is happening. And as far as the Aaron Judge situation, I think they should get in a room with Judge. They should put a piece of paper in front of him and say, you don't leave this room until you sign. You write the terms. You can't leave this room until you sign. But I don't even trust the Yankees to do that right now. So I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I'm just, I'm lost with this team. And I think the fact that they're going to blame it on, well, you know, just a small sample size. We, we didn't hit in this series and we lost this series. And they're going to just make it about this series and the different circumstances and the excuses for this series is pathetic. Because it's three years of this already. And if you go back in the Boone era, it's really five years of this. It's just three years that's been really bad because it's also been bad in the regular season. 
Outside of May and June 2022, this has been a really, really bad stretch. All right, I'm going to talk about the Phillies. I'm not going to talk about the Astros. The Astros, I, I, like I told you, they're on a mission. I told you this before the playoffs started. I think they're on a mission to prove that it wasn't the cheating, that they're truly a good team. And how could you blame them? They truly are a great baseball team. Um, good for them. I, I, there's nothing much to say. I, I can't even hate them anymore because think about it. Who is on this Astros team that you would hate? Verlander, I guess, was there in 17. Altuve was there. I don't know. Like, Bregman's face pisses me off, but he wasn't really there. He was young. He was a kid. I guess he was there in 19. But Alvarez is new. All these guys. I guess Guriel also. Racist, but still. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, but I told you this whole time that this, um, this Astros team was going to be on a mission, and I think they are far better um, than the Phillies, but we'll see. It's not always about the team that's better. I'm trying to find a bunch of tweets to see if um, I can find what uh, they're saying, what they're saying during the post game. So I'm looking at the Yankee beat reporters. Yeah. So far, just Aaron Boone saying, hopefully we'll see judge in a Yankee uniform for a long time. Hopefully we won't see Boone in the Yankee uniform for a long time. And I, and I hate saying that because I like Boone. All right, so I'm going to talk about the Phillies for a minute because I, I think I had more to say about the Yankees, but we'll do a whole recap or something at some point down the road when I'm ready to process this a little bit more. Um, that was just like instant raw reaction to them losing tonight. Um, it's not just losing. it's You didn't show up. You got swept. I mean, pathetic. It's it's truly pathetic. And, um, and, and Boone saying it's a cruel way for the season 10. It's not cruel. You brought this upon yourself. Always acting like something that it's something that happened to them, not something that they did. Um, eh, whatever. So Philly goes back to the World Series for the first time since 2009. They obviously won in 2008, lost to the Yankees in 09. Um, I was hoping for a recap of that series. By the way, thank God. If the Yankees were going to lose this series, I'm glad it just ended after uh, they were down 3-0 and they just got swept because I couldn't hear anymore about the 0-4 Red Sox. Like. Every other word is, oh, the 0-4 Red Sox came back from down 3 We know. They're the only teams to ever come back down 3-0 is the Red Sox. And who'd they do it against? They did it against the Yankees in 0-4. We get it. Great. Thanks. Thanks for the reminder. No one's seen that before. No one's seen that documentary. Nobody knows that. It's not like we show the Dave Roberts deal literally every single postseason. You know was more pathetic? Dave Roberts. <laughs> the Dodgers. All right. Now I'm just taking shots because I'm angry. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's funny. I, I I was gonna say this. I was gonna talk about this, but I was, I was gonna wait for the Yankees to be eliminated. And it just popped into my head. It, when teams are eliminated, when my teams are eliminated, there's different reactions that you have. When the Rangers were eliminated, I was sad. Like I love that team so much, and then I was sad that the season ended. I was sad that I didn't get to watch them every night anymore. Chris Kreider and his 50 goal season wasn't capitalized on. Um, what Igor was in the middle of doing. Adam Fox. I knew that Cop wasn't going to be there, and Ma and and Vitrano and all those guys. And I knew it was just the end. And whether this team uh, moving forward ends up winning with this young core, I knew that that specific team, the Rangers of 2021-22, were never going to win a Stanley Cup because they were eliminated. And that made me sad because I, I love that team so much. Um, you know, when the Knicks were eliminated, it was like, well, it was a pipe dream. It was a hope. There, there was something special about it. But like, there was hope for the future. It was more like, wow, this is something I'll cherish forever. We didn't think we were winning a championship, but we got something so special. Um, and that was obviously the playoff team when they got eliminated by the Hawks. 
Uh, I'm trying to think. Like the Jets, if they ever made the playoffs, I mean, I, I'd just die of happiness that they even made the playoffs. And we'll get to them a little bit later. Um, and they infuriate me too, by the way. The Jets do because the way they, they invent ways to lose. So it's kind of infuriating. This Yankee team, I don't think I'm, – I'm not sad. I've never been more like infuriated and frustrated with one of my professional sports teams and the way they've lost and the way they've blown it in my entire life, in my opinion. So that's fun. Um, real fun. All right. To the Phillies, I just want to get uh, into this real quick. First of all, Phillies is the greatest sports town. They have to grease the lamp poles and the light poles so that people don't climb up them and everyone climbed up them anyway. And they're shotgunning beers at the top of them hanging off of, um, you know, red lights, essentially, and stop signs. So that, that's fun. Fun sports town. Also, I'm kind of an adopted Philly fan because I love Bryce Harper. I always have. I want him to be a Yankee. And when they traded for Stanton, and by the way, Giancarlo Stanton is the only Yankee. Since 2018, he's the only Yankee who is accountable. So all those things I said before about everyone else does not apply to Giancarlo Stanton because whatever your complaints are about Giancarlo Stanton, accountability is not one of the things you can complain about with him. Very accountable. Um, so when the Yankees got Giancarlo Stanton, I was pretty upset only for the reason that it meant they weren't going to get Bryce Harper. I've always loved Bryce Harper. I met him when he was an 18 year old kid in DC. And I, I feel like I've known him. I feel like I, wa- I grew up with him because I watched him grow. And those first few years that I got to see him up close and personal, a lot of times in DC, I feel like I, yeah, I guess I a little bit kind of got to know him. And, um, so I, I always wanted him to be a Yankee. Um, and he wasn't, so there, there's that. <laughs> um, but when he went to Philly and all the things he says and, and, and this, him and his dad and the things that he says, and he always says the right things, um, he's truly, he is one of the special players in sports. Um, like I said, he's a guy who gets it. He's a guy who's just a great baseball player too. It's not that he just gets it, but he's a great athlete and he plays the game the right way, plays hard every play. Um, I love Bryce Harper. So I've always been a big Bryce Harper guy, always been a big Kyle Schwarber guy. Um, since the Chicago days seemed just like a good dude, Rizzo, that whole connection. I love Zach Wheeler. Uh, I, I picked him to win Cy Young this year. And Nick Castellanos, I obviously have the Castellanos t-shirt. I don't love the player as much as I just love the stories around him. Um, and everyone knows that I'm a James Harden stan. So, like, the athletes that I love that aren't that have never been on my team, I guess, would be in each. It would be James Harden, Aaron Rodgers, and Clayton Kershaw are the three I would pick. And I guess you could throw Bryce Harper in there also. Um, and so two of those guys, when it's Harden and it's Bryce Harper are in Philly now. So I'm, a, I'm literally an adopted Philly fan essentially. And Harden's been off to a good start to the season, even though Philly's 0 and three and we'll get to basketball a little bit later, but I love this Philly team. And it's funny because I picked this Philly team to win the division, to win the NL East. I picked this Philly team to have the MVP, to have the Cy Young award winner. And I was wrong about all of it. But now, hey, they're coming on and they're, they're, they're peaking at the right time because they're going to the World Series and they're my last hope. But by the way, I'm sorry, Philly fans in advance, because if I'm rooting for you, that means you're probably going to lose uh, to the Astros. So don't worry, get used to it. We lose to the Astros all the time. Um, and this time we got swept. So hopefully it's not a sweep, but I am really rooting for Philly. And I think Philly has a chance. They have a real chance because when you put those two starters, when you put Wheeler and Nola out there, then that's two starters that can win you any series because they could just win you two games. And the way Reese Hoskins is playing right now and his, his bat, just how clutch he is and out of his mind and the way Bryce Harper is playing, like it almost seemed when they were down four, three and Bryce Harper came to the plate with a man. I was like, yeah, of course he's going to hit a two run homer. Of course he is. Like there was never a doubt in my mind. And the same thing with Schwarber and the way he's playing. It's just been a clutch, fun team. 
Um, and so they've been fun to watch. I've been enjoying it. And I, maybe I'll watch the World Series. Maybe I won't. Um, and I told you. I did tell you before the season that Bryce Harper was going to win a National League MVP. I didn't tell you which National League MVP. I told you Bryce Harper was going to win a National League MVP. He won the National League Championship Series MVP. So he didn't win. He's probably not going to win the NL MVP because he was hurt. That will probably go to Manny Machado. Um, but I'm glad the Yankees held on to Clint Frazier and uh, whoever the hell they else they held on to. And Miguel Andujar instead of Harper. And um, yeah, whatever. All right, I'm going to try and move on. And talk about football for a little bit because at the end of the day, it's Sunday and we need a transition because it's not going to be baseball to talk about for much longer. Um, we'll have other stuff to talk about, but I do want to recap the day that was in the NFL. It, as always, wild Sunday in the NFL. Um, and I want to talk about my Jets. And this is the same point I made on last episode. Was it pretty? No. Are Salah's mistakes slowly eating up at me and making me want to die as I watch the games? Yes. Are the team's penalties making me want to dig my grave and shoot myself in the head? Yes. Now, that might be mostly the Yankees speaking. But this Jets team has won four games in a row for the first time since 2015. And they're 5-2, and two, their best start for the first time since 10, 2010. Zach Wilson is 4-0 since he's come back from being injured. And it doesn't have to be perfect because this team keeps on finding ways to win. So like Rich Eisen said, you just have to enjoy it because at this point, there's nothing left to do. Because if I'm going to sit here and tell you that, well, you know, they played really poorly and they should have lost. And look, maybe the Packers are a really bad team and we'll get to them in a second. And maybe, you know, that you played against a backup quarterback. You barely beat Denver's backup quarterback. First of all, Denver's backup quarterback looked better than Denver's actual quarterback. He actually did look better than Russell Wilson at times. Um, there were certain throws that he made specifically to Judy because Sutton was covered up all day. Sauce Gardner is the best corner in the league. I've never seen anything like it. The, the, the final couple of plays when he's making those plays on fourth down, and they're like, lost in the sauce. I think it was Iron Eagle on the call. I mean, it's just unbelievable what we're doing out here. This is a rookie who's coming out here and playing better than any corner we've ever seen. And the other corners and safeties and the linebackers, he's making everyone around him better because of how good he is. It's just unbelievable that there's a kid on this team doing this right now. And I hope the best for Brees Hall because what he's doing, he carried this team offensively for the last three and a half weeks. Um, and it sucks that he's out now because it, it just does. And he's probably going to be out for the season um, because that's, that's a tough injury, right? That's probably an ACL and he's probably going to be out for the year. But, um, uh, I'm really happy for what this Jets team is doing. And look, you got to build on it. Just keep winning. And winning breeds winning. And you breed confidence. And then you start playing better. And you learn how to play. But at least you have the wins are there. And then you learn at, as the year goes on. And you start to get better. And I told you a thousand times, this is different than when they lost those games or when they won those games in 2015. Because in 2015, you couldn't build past that season. There wasn't a foundation there to build on. Now you can build with the quarterback. And yes, Zach Wilson needs to play a lot better than he played today if they're going to win more games. But right now, I mean, this is as excited as I've been for a Jets-Patriots game and who knows how long, right? Probably since that 2015 game when they had that game with Eric Decker over there. And that's a while ago. That, that game-winning, game, right? Overtime touchdown from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Just wild. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Like I said, does not have to be perfect, but enjoy it because we haven't seen a lot of these in a while. We haven't seen a lot of these wins. So you can dissect it and you can break it down. And that's something that I'll do. And, and as we get deeper into the football season, we'll probably have to do that because, you know, as you get deeper into the football season 
and you're talking about maybe this team making a playoff run for real. And then you're talking about if this team can compete with the other teams in the AFC, with the other teams in the NFL. And by the way, the NFL is not very good this year, so that won't be as difficult a task as it should be. Then we'll start talking about what the major flaws are on this team. But until then, just enjoy the ride. You have a 23-year-old rookie or second-year quarterback. You have a bunch of rookies running around making plays, and you're winning ball games. I mean, it's awesome. Speaking of the teams they've played, for the third week going into the week, we were like, okay, the Packers, at this point, they just have to pick it up, right? The Packers just, they have to be better. They can't be this bad. They can't be this bad. Are the Packers actually this bad? Is this just what this team is? And, and why are these this bad? And I, and I looked at this game, and they went up 14-3. And then they got outscored 20-7 to the rest of the game. So what happened? And the first thing that jumps out at me is exactly what I said after the loss to the Jets and after the loss to the Giants, and we still haven't seen a change. The Green Bay Packers ran the ball 12 times. You were up 14-3, to and you have one of the best running backs in the league and one of the best running back tandems if you include... A.J. Dillon, who's also a really good running back. Instead of running out the game, you decided to keep getting back there in shotgun with Aaron Rodgers and throwing it to receivers who stink. Your receivers stink. The best receiver on the field for the Packers was also Aaron Jones. He's just the best player on the field right now for the Packers. And you're going up against Taylor Heineke, who, albeit he's better than uh, than Carson Wentz, a thousand percent. But this is why you're losing games. You ran the ball 12 times. Like I said, Jones had nine more catches and two of them were touchdowns, but he ran the ball only eight times. Is it all Rodgers? Is Rodgers just standing there saying his numbers were solid? He, I mean, if you look at his stats, it's like 200 yards, you know, high completion percentage, no picks, a couple touchdowns. But if you watch the game, he's just a lot of drops. I don't know. They're not sustaining drives and... Is he the one refusing to run the ball? Is he the one who's saying, who's standing there and saying, no, I need to throw the ball. I need to be the hero. Is that the point of contention? Is it between him and Matt LaFleur? Like I've kind of theorized the last couple of weeks. Or is there something more going on here? Like what's actually going on here with the Packers? And if you look at it, it goes beyond the running because the running leads to other things. Washington dominated the time of possession. 37 minutes, Washington had the ball 37 minutes, the Packers 22. They ran the ball 38 times to the Packers 12. And they ran 72 total plays and the Packers only ran 47. And by the way, even with that, they ran like 30 plays more than the Packers and they still, they still averaged more yards per play than the Packers did. And you had a 14-3 lead if you're Green Bay. And instead of saying, let's control the clock, and let's control this game by controlling the line of scrimmage and running the ball. You let Washington do that. And all of a sudden, it was Washington controlling the game and controlling the clock and coming back on you. How's that happen? And it's the same thing that happened against the Giants because you were up 10. And instead of just running the game out with one of the best running backs in the league, you had to throw it. And I don't know why we've seen that for three weeks in a row. I said the game plan against the Jets should have been the same thing. And the Jets have a good defense. I think the Jets' defense is a lot better than the Giants' defense and a lot better for sure than Washington's defense. And I think they've proven that. But, I mean, the game plan could have been so much more simple. And I don't know if it's Rodgers. I don't know what it is. 
but it's, it's it's been enough. By the way, I did pick the Jets against the spread. I also picked Washington, so or I picked Green Bay, I should say. So one and one so far in my picks, but I did really great as we go through the games. We'll talk about how great I did on my picks. Another team that was supposed to be a get-right game, and we talked about these two teams as the get-right games before the week on Friday. And the other get-right game was Carolina against Tampa Bay. And I got that one right because Tampa Bay, for some reason, was a 10-point favorite in this game, 10 and a half. And Carolina, with no Christian McCaffrey, with no head coach, with no Robbie Anderson, a team that's basically on a fire sale, dismantled Tampa Bay. They crushed them. And I don't understand how. It seems like after that missed touchdown, where Mike Evans was wide open and he dropped it, the entire game just fell apart for the, for the Bucks. And when you watch the game and you, you watch the plays, Brady looks fine physically. He, he, he can make all the throws. He's moving fine. So I'm really not sure what's happening. And this is a Carolina team that gave up. They're a dumpster fire. They're not trying to win games. They fired Matt Rule. Like I said, they traded Robbie Anderson. They traded Christian McCaffrey. And they crushed you. You got blown out 21-3. to Yeah, I picked Carolina in this game to keep it close. I didn't think it would be a Carolina blowout. I thought Tampa would win by 5 or 7. Just not 10. I, I, I'm lost with... I don't know what to think. I, I truly... And maybe I need to go back and watch the game again, but I, I truly don't know how to process what I watched from Tampa Bay today. And we'll get to see them on Thursday night again against Baltimore. And maybe working that game. <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious to see what happens. All right. Another pick I got right was the Giants and Jacksonville. Um, six and one is really good. Six and one is, I think you're talking about the Bills, the Chiefs. The undefeated team, which is the Eagles, Dallas. Who are the teams right now with that record? And yet everyone looks at the Giants like they're not that good. And I think the whole Vegas thing with the line, with Jacksonville being favored by three, was just Vegas playing a game. Because everyone thought, well, they're daring you to take the Giants, right? Everyone's like, oh, well, Vegas is daring us to take the Giants because they made Jacksonville minus three. So they must really want us to take the Giants, so we're going to take Jacksonville. You think Vegas doesn't know that people look at the line that way? Maybe they were just actually daring you to take Jacksonville because you thought that they thought that they wanted you to take the Giants. I think that makes sense. I can't tell if that made sense. But everyone I heard talk about this game was saying, oh, they clearly really want us to take the Giants, so we're going to take Jacksonville. They must know something we don't know. When in reality... It was, oh, we're going to get everyone to take Jacksonville, and the Giants are obviously going to win. Now, Jacksonville still could have won, but they wouldn't have won by three. The line was Jacksonville minus three, and the Giants won. And Lawrence should be playing better than this, and maybe that's where people are underestimating this. People really thought that this year was going to be the year where after all the turmoil and all the things that Lawrence went through last year, this year he'd just be better. And he should have been better, but for some reason he's not better. I can't put my finger on it I, I don't know maybe he's not as good of a quarterback as we thought maybe him and Zach Wilson both aren't as good of a quarterback as we thought the Jets are winning <laughs> there's that they have opposite records right now what I think Jacksonville's two and five I'm pretty sure yeah they're two and five so Jets are five and two 
And the Giants, like I said, Jones had one bad interception. Other than that, him running the ball and Saquon running the ball, this offense is good. This defense plays with heart. And like I said, no team is going to be more prepared than them. At some point, you have to look at this team. And I keep saying the schedule's light the rest of the way. They're not going to lose a lot of games. They're just not. You're 6-1 right now, and you're just not about to lose a lot of football games. They have the Seahawks, who we'll get to them in a minute. The Texans, the Lions, the Cowboys, and Eagles, who are good. And then they have to play the Eagles a second time and then the Vikings. But other than that, Washington a couple times. The Colts, the Colts are awful. The Giants are going to win a lot of football games this year. We could be looking at a 12-win Giant team. And I keep saying it every week, but at one point you start looking at this team and saying, oh yeah, maybe they're actually pretty good. Um, so I got that game right. Cincinnati and Atlanta, I got that one right. I told you that Cincinnati um, was getting on track, on track, I should say. They seem to be getting on track uh, against the Saints, and we know the Saints aren't that good. And I do think the Falcons are actually a halfway decent team. They're three and four now, but I think they're pretty good. They're okay. But Cincinnati jumped out in front early and stepped on their throats and ended that game. Cincinnati's now four and three. Uh, They have the same record as the Ravens. And I think it's going to be those two teams in the division. And we saw the Ravens beat Cincinnati. uh, But I think it's going to be those two teams for a battle. And Joe Burrow looks like Joe Burrow. And I think they're fully back. And they needed this breakout performance to prove to everyone that they're back and to get rid of the hangover. And sometimes that is the Super Bowl hangover. Sometimes the Super Bowl hangover is being 4-3 and and not coming out of the gate firing when they should have been better than they were last year. Um, But right now, if you look at the Bengals, Joe Burrow, 481 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, this team's good. And yeah, they're going to have to play a bunch of good teams because that's what happens when you win your division. You have to play the other division winners. You have to play the Titans. You have to play the Chiefs. You have to play the Bucks, the Bills. But guess what? I think they're better than a lot of those teams. And that last game of the year... Second week of January, when the Ravens play the Bengals, I think that's going to be for the division if the Bengals don't have it locked up by then. Because I think this Bengals team proved today that they're legit. And like I said, I don't think Atlanta's half bad. But the Bengals look like that offense looks like it's back. They win 35-17. Tennessee and Indianapolis, uh, I got this one wrong because I trusted the chart. Tennessee's better. I thought Tennessee was going to win, but because it was three and a half, and I guessed that the line would be three. So (laughs) I took Indianapolis. I thought Indianapolis would lose by only three, I guess. I don't know. I didn't think Indianapolis would win, but 19-10, it was an ugly game. This division's really bad. Both of those teams are really, really bad. Jacksonville and Houston are not much better. So when you look at the division, I think Tennessee's going to win, and they were plus a lot of money like a week ago. Because I remember I was looking at it when I first got to Detroit. I was like, I should take this. And I forgot to take it. And then um, once the games start, during games, you can't make those bets, like those future bets on certain sites. So I basically forgot. (laughs) And I didn't take Tennessee. But um, Tennessee, I think they were the second best odds. I think at that point, Jacksonville still had better odds than them to win the division. But right now, they're going to keep riding Derrick Henry. And as long as Derrick Henry can hold up and his body can hold up which I hope he can because I just traded for him in fantasy and trust me it's fun to have him on your fantasy team because he's just going to carry the ball 30 times if they're going to win and they're going to want to play the brand of football they want to play 
and they're going to try and win games the way that they know how. It just hand the ball to number 22 30 times. And they did it today, and it worked. He didn't have any touchdowns, but just a million yards and put the team on his back. And Matt Ryan, by the way, looks like Phillip Rivers did when he played for Indy. Old and scared. And I talked about this already. Getting these old quarterbacks to come in just because you're still upset that Andrew Luck walked out on you. It's not working. Might want to try and find a new strategy. And I think it's going to be a different GM and a different general manager, a different head coach who are implementing the new strategy for this team because I think Indianapolis is cooked. And I think uh, those guys' jobs are both done. And it sucks, but I think it's reality. Baltimore and Cincinnati. I got this one right too. Baltimore's favored by minus six and a half. I didn't get that line. I took Cincinnati to cover. They did. I thought it was going to be, I told you, I thought Baltimore was going to win by three. I told you they were going to win on a kick in overtime. Instead, by the way, it's not Cincinnati. My bad, it was Cleveland. Baltimore played Cleveland, obviously. Um, instead, the Browns browned it up at the end and they couldn't tie it to send it to overtime after the Ravens tried to blow it. So the Ravens have been this team that for some reason in fourth quarters, and if you're a Ravens fan and I was watching this game with three Ravens fans in the studio, it was just, oh, here we go again. And when they fumbled that ball and it was like, oh my God, they're about to blow another game and they couldn't believe it. It was just like shock that, wow, the Ravens are going to blow another double digit lead in the fourth quarter. And for some reason, the Ravens can't close out games. I can't tell you why. And Greg Roman is an awful play caller, in my opinion. His most creative play call, kind of ironically, and the call that every single Ravens fan loved was the play that he used Lamar Jackson as a running back. So all the Raven fans who yelled and yelled and yelled that Lamar Jackson, he's not a running back, he's not a running back. All of a sudden now it's, oh my God, that's the most creative play he's ever ran. You know what he did? He basically used Andrews as the quarterback to toss it to Lamar as the running back. So now all of a sudden using Lamar as the running back is the most creative thing ever. It's kind of funny, but... I don't care. Honestly, if you put Lamar in that spot every game, if you played running back, played him as a running back or just a straight wildcat quarterback, he'd be unstoppable. That's not to say he's not really good as a throwing passing quarterback, but he'd be unstoppable as a running back. But like I said, the Browns, and when it was getting dicey for the Ravens, the Browns outdid themselves. Amari Cooper pushes off on a play that he didn't have to push off. Would have been the touchdown. So they have to settle for the field goal. But then they jump off sides or they, there's a false start. So they move back and then they miss the kick. And that was the game. Just typical Browns. The Browns invent ways to lose. Kind of like the Jets do, but the Browns seem to do it even better and more creative. I think the Ravens right now are a solid team because they're winning games and they have a lot of talent. I think Lamar is having or was having a career year, but it's been about a month since he's been that good. And he's a quarterback who's capable of carrying them. He could carry them to a Super Bowl. But it's been a matter of a month since we've seen him play this well. Or play well, period. And that's the problem for the Ravens right now. I think they're a pretty good team. And the difference between them actually going on a playoff run or just being kind of mediocre like they were last year and finishing the season maybe 9-8 and eight and on the verge of a playoff spot is how well Lamar plays going forward because... The first few weeks of the season, he was outstanding. MVP. The last month, not at all. Quite the opposite. He's been awful. And you could call the play calling. They only threw the ball 16 times today, so I don't know. And it looked like he was close today. He was 9-16, kind of blah, but he had a couple of runs where he almost broke them off. Almost had them. Could have been almost touchdowns, almost gone for a big chunk play. 
And that's when he's at his best, when he's making those plays and all of a sudden you have to step up on him. And he's been a good pocket passer this year. He really has been able to stand in the pocket and deliver passes downfield into tight windows, into good spots and coverage. So that's going to be the deciding factor for almost every NFL team. The deciding factor is the quarterback, right? And for the Ravens especially, though, with Lamar, he's so Jekyll and Hyde that if he can be the Lamar that we saw the first three weeks of the season, this team will be a really good team. But if he's going to be the Lamar that we saw the last month, this team's not going anywhere. Detroit and Dallas played. I got this one right also. Um, Dallas, I told you Detroit was on a downward spiral. I told you they're spiraling out of control. Dallas put up 24 points and won 24 to 6. Classic Dak. I mean, he played worse than his stat line. His stat line was 19 to 25, 207 yards, a touchdown, no picks. That's a good ta- stat line. But if you watch the game, Dak didn't play that well. Maybe it was just his first game back. I don't know. Maybe that's why he didn't play that well. If you also watch the game, you could see that Pollard is kind of better than Zeke at this point, but they're still going to force feed Zeke. So the discrepancy wasn't that crazy. I think it was 15 carries for Zeke, 18 for Pollard. So, or the opposite, 18 for Zeke, 15 for Pollard. So it's not like they're taking the ball away that much from Pollard, but they are definitely giving it to Zeke. There's more of a concerted effort to give it to Zeke more, but it's working for them now. And I think they're actually a very good team. Their defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. Uh, definitely kept them in this one. And the classic Detroit, just the Lions being the Lions. And like I said, it's just it's going to be a downward spiral from here. Hawkinson getting down the field instead of challenging it when it looked like he clearly had a touchdown. You don't challenge it. You line up and Williams fumbles it at the goal line. There was nothing more Lions than that sequence of plays. And speaking of fumbles, Goff, two fumbles, two interceptions. You're not going to win a lot of football games when you turn the ball over five times. You're just not. And that's what Dallas has been really good at the last couple of years. They've been forcing turnovers on every team. And maybe once you get in the playoffs, you're not going to force as many turnovers and maybe they'll falter in the playoffs again. Or maybe this is the year where the offense could actually look better, where Dak Prescott can take that step forward and this team could actually make a little bit of a deeper run. And I think they're going to be more challenged this year because you have the Giants in your division who have looked good. You have the Eagles in their division who have looked really good. They're one and one against those teams so far. Lost to the Eagles, beat the Giants. We'll see what happens moving forward. But uh, they get the win today, and I got that pick right. Now, this game screwed up my parlay. This was Las Vegas and Houston. And for some reason, this whole game, I'm like, well, this is perfect. I had a parlay that was, and I don't even remember, but I just, I didn't even have, I had Houston plus seven or plus eight, something like that. I didn't even have them to win. I just had them to cover. And. It seemed like they that was a lock for them to cover because they were up 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter. At which point Las Vegas scored 21 unanswered points. And when I went back to look up the final score of this game, I was like, 38 to 20? Are you kidding me? I thought maybe 27-20. I thought maybe I lost it. Maybe it was 30-20. 38 to 20. That was not indicative. This game was much closer than a 38 to 20 game. 21 unanswered points in the fourth. For Las Vegas, Josh Jacobs is proving me wrong because I told you that he always does this where he has a few great weeks and then he just falls off and disappoints you where he's just sitting on your fantasy roster, taking up a spot, giving you eight points because there was a four-week stretch where he had 30 points every week. So he continues to prove me wrong. He was a beast. Um, I always traded him in one of my leagues. But trust me, he's not going to play this well. It's just not going to happen. The connection with the receivers, with Carr and Waller and... Everyone else, and obviously Devontae Adams, doesn't seem like it's quite there yet. So they're still working on that. I don't think this Vegas team is very good. Obviously, before the season, I thought they'd be pretty good. But um, 
this win, I don't, I'm not super impressed by it. I don't think they actually blew out the Texans. I think it was a closer game than the final score indicates. Seattle and the Chargers, another game I guessed correctly because everyone seems to overvalue the Chargers and undervalue the Seahawks still. So I picked the Seahawks in this game and I got them. I also took the money line. That was part of that parlay. Didn't win the parlay. Thank you, Houston. Thank you, Las Vegas. But still, I did pick Seattle. Took Seattle money line on that parlay and they won 37 to 23. Geno will not freaking stop writing back. Um, I've had enough of Geno Smith already. He's not this good. Kenneth Walker is playing really well, but overall, the Seahawks, this is them just giving a middle finger to everyone, to everyone, myself included, who thought, well, they're just not going to compete this year because they don't care to compete because they're tearing it all down because they're sending away Russell Wilson. Maybe the vibes on the team are at an all-time high because they sent away Russell Wilson. And I think the Chargers are the most overrated team ever, and they continue to be. They threw the ball 51 times, and they had to because Seattle jumped all over them, jumped out to a big lead early. And for all the talk about the Chargers defense and how good the Chargers defense is, and even if you know Justin Herbert has time to adjust and get better because the defense is going to keep them in games and Austin Eckler running the ball, well, that didn't happen because they got down huge early and that Chargers defense was non-existent. And by the way, Jeremy Conn on our pregame show predicted this. He said, oh, take the over in this game. And I heard a lot of people saying take the under in this game. So Jeremy Conn, shout out you. He's uh, the morning sh- one of the morning show hosts. On 105.7 The Fan, he does like a gambling spot on our uh, Ravens pregame show. And he actually said, take the over in this game. So, good for him. A couple more games. The last one that was an afternoon game was Kansas City and San Francisco. I picked this one correctly as well. I told you Kansas City would win. I thought they'd blow them out. Mahomes is making Juju Smith-Schuster and Marcus Valdez-Scanley look like Tyreek Hill. Um, I told you this team is a team on a mission. And this is not against anyone. This is against a really good defense in the San Francisco 49ers defense. Um, Debo's production is already down. And Christian McCaffrey only had like 10 touches in the game. Not that you'd expect him to have more in his first game, but he only had 10 touches and already Debo's production was down. So that's going to be interesting for fantasy owners out there, I guess. But I think they will figure it out. You have that many talented players in that offense. Um, It was probably just a weird game for them. I don't understand why their defense couldn't play well. And this is kind of funny because... I talked about the Washington and Green Bay game, and I talked about how Washington controlled the ball the whole time. They had the ball the entire game. Well, this was the opposite. It seems like for every drive that San Francisco has, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be 7 yards, 13 yards, 7 yards, 12 yards, 35-yard play. Like It's a methodical drive, one play after the other, with a couple big plays thrown in there. And they all have to be perfect. They have to line up perfectly for them to score touchdowns on every drive. Whereas their Chiefs, their quick-strike offense... And there's negatives and positives to that. I don't think the Packers should be playing a quick strike offense. But it's funny, when you look at this game, San Francisco ran 14 more plays than the Chiefs did. They dominated the time of possession. So all those things that you talked about as a negative for a team earlier were a positive for the Chiefs because that quick scoreability is what kept them in games, what won them games in the playoffs last year, what ultimately beat them, or I guess beat the Bills for them. So it's kind of interesting when you're, San Francisco and everything needs to go methodical and go perfectly and it needs to be a perfect drive and everything looks so beautiful. Yeah, it's aesthetically pleasing to watch that offense unfold. But also, one play goes awry and that screws up the whole drive. Whereas the Chiefs, yeah, they'll throw some interceptions, they'll have some bad turnovers, but they can come right back down, 12 seconds left in a game, and they can win the game because that quick strike ability is just so unbelievable with that offense. And what's it's what makes that offense so high-powered and more special than probably any offense in the league. 
All right, and then the Sunday nighter, I got it right also. Another bad uh, Sunday night game. Um, Miami won 16-10. to 10. It was a sloppy game. It seemed like both teams really had opportunities the entire time. I actually had that on the big TV for most of the time because the Yankees were just frustrating me, so I had them on my laptop. Um, it was sloppy. Both teams gave away opportunities. I think Miami should improve as time goes on with Tua back. It's his first game back. Um, I still don't understand why they brought him back in prime time, but it worked out. He didn't get hurt other than him leaning headfirst into a tackler at some point early in the game. But there's that. And I think um, Kenny Pickett, by the way, he might be the more talented quarterback and he might be your long-term answer at quarterback. But I think for this team now, I think if Mitch Trubisky was in this game, I think they would have won. And I think that was the wrong decision uh, by Mike Tomlin to go back to Trubisky or to go back to Pickett for this game. Um, I think with how poorly Miami played and how many opportunities they gave them, I think Trubisky would have been able to take advantage and win this game. Uh, Pickett is talented, but obviously he's a mess out there, um, as a rookie quarterback would be, and a rookie quarterback who's clearly underprepared. Um, But like I said, once you made that decision, it's hard to go back, but you had the perfect opportunity with Pickett getting hurt last week. You had the perfect opportunity to just stick with Mitch at least for a week or two. Uh, You didn't, and that's your decision, but... Uh, you lost and I think everyone loses because it's just another bad game in prime time I messed up by the way because we get Pat's Bears tomorrow night I already picked that game I don't remember what I said I could actually go back and check my pick um da, 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 da. the line was New England minus seven and a half and I took New England to win and cover so there's that um if you're wondering what my line was what I picked for tomorrow night so far this week I'm 10 and three in my picks so Redeeming myself a little bit. 10 and 3 is very good. Picking against the spread. Can't complain. Um, but I already gave you... No one reminds me. People are supposed to remind me when I when I give the pick on Thursday night for the Monday night game. I'm supposed to save it for the Sunday night podcast. So we'll come back as usual on Wednesday morning. So this is the Monday morning podcast, which I record on Sunday night, obviously. Um, although now it's already 1 o'clock in the morning on Monday morning. We'll come back on Tuesday night slash Monday morning with the next episode. I'm going to talk about basketball and hockey at some point. Um, I'm not ready for it yet, but now that the Yankee season is over, we can put that to bed. The Jets are unexpectedly good, so that's going to be taking up a lot of my uh, brain space and a lot of my time and emotional energy. Um, but Jalen Brunson seems legit. In 64 minutes, he has 15 assists and no turnovers. I like him. I like what he does for the offense. I think Julius Randle seems locked in which is cool. Sometimes he still has lapses, but he's not like the player on the team that we're looking at. So there's that. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm still looking at Twitter to see if there's anything new from the Yankees. Doesn't look like there's anything new. Uh, it's infuriating. <laughs> not much to say. I'm going to do, I guess, more of a whole breakdown episode and recapping the season, but this is my instant reaction. Um, like I said, 10 and three enjoy Monday night football. We'll talk about football development stories. We'll probably talk about Brees hall being out likely for the year is what we're likely going to find out. Maybe we'll talk more about the Yankees, but um, it'll de- whatever it'll be. <laughs> there's always something to talk about on Wednesday. I think, like I said, I think the Sunday pods always set up the Wednesday pods. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, please share it. I, I mean, that's the best thing you could do for me is like subscribe, follow me, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, um, all those things, because that helps also YouTube um and then uh yeah share it with a friend rate review and all that good stuff uh if you are looking for someone to speak to use my code uh rami r-a-m-i my first name uh 
at betterhelp.com and you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy. And until next time, I will see you all later. Thank you so much for listening. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high. When you take me to your eyes, like I'm standing in the sky. I see your subway cars and your old graffiti. I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, I ain't changed it oh, 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 Always on my road, I'm still New York Drive down Riverside, see the birds flying on the high line. With the sidewalks burning, we pray for rain in July. I want the Yankees '99, yeah. and the Knicks on a sold out night. When the curtains close and the Broadway streets are alive, hey. I need your heartbeat close. Don't you ever leave me? And I breathe your air when I land in another city. And I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, I change it Oh, 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 always on my I was Godsent. I used to hit them courtyard and prospect. Take them long walks on my time spent. Just a kid with that empire, stay the mindset. Kick flipping off a blind deck. Dipping from the New York City's finest. Yeah, said I've been up on my New York shit. Walking down the block with my New York bitch. I can never leave my city, ain't nothing like it. Even if I do, though, I can never hide it. Top down on the west side when I'm driving. East side be the only side that I'm riding. I'm still New York.